It is now my pleasure, uh, after last night's game against Lafayette, to welcome Andrew Wiseman, the blogger behind Colonial Hoops. You can find it at colonialhoops.blogspot.com. Follow him on Twitter at GWColonialHoops. And, and Andrew, let's get right into it. Um, obviously a tale of two halves. Um, the first half I thought was, was really rather positive and strong. The second half got a little scary. Um, as someone who was in the Smith Center for the game, uh, what did you see? And, and, and how... How shaken were you by that second half? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, the, you know, the first half was really fun. Like you said, the team just kind of was kicking butt out there. Uh, there was a pretty good student turnout. It wasn't full, but they were really loud, so that was nice. Uh, the band sounded awesome, too, so those are kind of the ancillary parts. Mm-hmm. Um, the second half, it just seemed like they kind of got sloppy, like bad passes. Uh, they tried kind of weird shots. Uh, the other team just sort of started hitting shots. They knocked everything down, it seemed like. Uh, and they also... Uh, got to the line a lot, the, uh, the 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 leopards, and so they got a lot of free throws, and they knocked all those free throws down. I think they shot like eighty eight percent or something. Yeah, they were twenty nine of thirty three. Yeah, uh, and for the game, they shot at eighty seven point nine percent. There you go. So so it, it kind of like the refs, not the refs did it, but they took advantage of that and kind of got back in that way. And it just seemed like the, the good guys were just kind of sloppy out there. Like they didn't make good passes. They sort of had strange offensive sets. It seemed like they, there were a lot of really easy layups and things like that for the Leopards, kind of bad defense, Olay defense and stuff like that. So it was strange. It was, um, I don't know if they just didn't lost focus because they were head by so much or what. It was, it was odd. A number of Colonials uh, logging double-digit minutes. Based on my quick look, it looks like uh, eight of them got double-digit minutes. Uh, Matt Hart, uh, Paul Jorgensen with 21 minutes. Alex Matola logged 14. Joe McDonald only played 25 minutes in the game. 34 from Patricio Garino, Tyler Cavanaugh with 33. Um, so clearly those are kind of two horses that it looks like uh, Mike Lonergan is going to try to ride through this season. Larson logging nearly 30 minutes and Yuta Watanabe with just 15, though he did get the start. Um, so, Andrew, let's talk first and foremost, I think, about the most important uh, new member on this team. He's not new to the roster, but he is new to the floor, and that's Tyler Cavanaugh. 7 of 16, uh, 17 rebounds, 15 points. Um, those are the kind of numbers that you really want to see from a post presence. G- give me some your thoughts on, on his appearance in this game. Uh, he looked really good. He was um, he had a lot of kind of really fast moves, which is interesting, like kind of burn guys to the basket and things like that, which was pretty neat. I mean, of course, it's Lafayette, so it's not like you know NBA defense out there, but still, that was pretty cool. Um, the rebounds were kind of uh, quiet. Like when I saw the stats, I was pretty surprised he had 17, um, but he looked good out there. He he boxed out and pulled a bunch down. Uh, he was he was solid. I was um, I was a little worried after the first game, the exhibition game, because I didn't see very much from him. But he was pretty awesome this game. Seven of his rebounds were on the offensive glass. Kevin Larson contributed six rebounds of his own. And, and Andrew, I think one of the things that we saw last year from Kevin Larson, and um, I, I said this on Twitter earlier, and, and I think I'm going to stand by it. I, I think historically, I've tried very hard in in my discussions about this team to be rather. Um, Patient or to be somewhat uh, kind because these are, you know, college basketball players. This is not uh, the end of the world. However, Kevin Larson has a t- frustrating tendency to sort of disappear. Um, do you think that Tyler Cavanaugh can sort of serve in that Isaiah Armwood role where he he does a lot of the bodying up that Kevin Larson seems reticent to do? And do you think that he'll be able to offset some of those double teams that really uh, traumatized Kevin in, in games last year? I hope so. Uh, I mean, he seems like a pretty good passer, Kavanaugh, and uh, I don't know, he just seems pretty aggressive out there. Um, I mean, Kevin, he was sort of surprising. He had 18 points or something in the first half, which also kind of seemed to come out of nowhere, which was great. Uh, then he was quieter in the second half, and that's when Kavanaugh kind of really took off. So I think it's kind of a good one, one-two punch there. 
Um, I didn't see a whole lot of like passing from Kevin, but but Larson was pretty good, or but uh, Kevin, I was pretty good at that. Now, one of the things let's let's stick with the forwards right now, and before we get to the guard play, because I think there's some guard play that we want to talk about uh, on the GW side, and then we have to talk a little bit about uh, the fact that Nick Lindner, uh, an all, a third team All Patriot League player, uh, burned the Colonials for 27 points. But we'll put that aside right now. One of the things that I saw from this game that was really sort of disturbing um, was the the interior defense. There were a lot of times where Patricio Garino or Joe McDonald would you know force their their ball handler to work their way toward the middle of the floor and the rotation whether it was Kevin or whether it was Tyler whether it was whomever um I I felt like there were a number of moments where I thought there wasn't nearly enough rotation and Lafayette was able to just get points whether from driving directly to the basket and getting to the free throw line or driving and dishing did you feel like there were defensive breakdowns in that game? And would you say that it was a systemic thing? Or, or would, what, what, as someone who was there, how did you see that playing out um, you know, in the paint? Yeah, it seemed like sometimes they just missed, missed their assignments or something. Um, there were a lot of easy layups that Lafayette got. Uh, I mean, I think some of the times it might have been Semino or Semino. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about the guy. And he had some good plays, but a lot of times it seemed like he just got burned out there real bad. So maybe he just kind of he needs to work on that some more. Um, I, I didn't see a whole lot of bad stuff from Kevin and, and Kavanaugh. Maybe they were supposed to be there. They just weren't. I don't know. But I don't know. To me, it was, it was Semino a couple times. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> he'll he'll live. Um, <laughs> yeah, nine minutes, two boards for Semino. They contributed a foul and a turnover. Uh, took only one shot, which he missed. Uh, did not get to the free throw line. Um, and a pretty limited stat sheet from him. Let's talk through the uh, the GW guards, uh, but before, and also, you know, technically we've got Yuta Watanabe listed as a forward. He really is able to sort of play that, that that Euro forward sort of style where he's able to kind of play all over the floor. Yuta dropped uh, seven boards, uh, contributed seven points, two blocks and a steal in just 15 minutes of play. Um, he also uh, contributed four fouls in that 15 minutes. Um, Yuta... Was he a victim of this sort of new uh, foul calling that we're seeing from the NCAA? Was he slow on his, his on his assignments? What was going on that uh, limited his his minutes on the floor? Yeah, I think it was just foul trouble. Uh, he had three fouls pretty early on in the first half, and I think a lot of those were, like you're saying, the kind of weird ticky tack fouls that are now being emphasized. Uh, people were getting really really angry in the, in the stands. People were freaking out about it. There was a lot of really close calls, like small touches and things like that, that were getting called. I think you just kind of got zonked with some of those. Unfortunately, and then he had four fouls toward the end, so I don't think he came back in very much. I, I will say that in the first ten minutes of that game, uh, he had already contributed six and four, um, and obviously looks like he seems to have a pretty good sense of of the flow of especially the offensive game. Contributed two blocks and a steal in that time anyway. Um, in the brief time that we saw him on the floor and what we saw from the exhibition game, um, what kind of leap are you expecting from Utah from freshman to sophomore year? Well, I'm always kind of cautiously optimistic on everything GW basketball related. You know, I don't want to get too too high lest I get uh, crushed. You know, but I, I don't know. He he looked he looked good. I mean, he's they said he put on a lot of weight and he's a lot stronger now. Um, it seems like he I don't know, he kind of did a lot of stuff. He sort of seemed like you know like Arena almost where he did a little bit of everything or Mike Hall or something like that. And that's a big not to say he is Mike Hall, but some of that kind of stuff. The glue guy do a little bit of everything. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. You know, I don't want to get like I said too excited, but I'm pretty hopeful. 
So, you know, a quiet game from Joe McDonald. He took that shot to the face, uh, ended up uh, having to go to the locker room after taking an elbow to the face, and, and, and I, I'm not sure if he got a stitch or just they needed to stop the bleeding. Um, some surprising minutes, I, I would argue, from Matt Hart and Alex Matola, both logging double-digit minutes, um, and uh, both a combined 0 for 6 from 3 for the both of them. Um, not something that you necessarily have to worry about. You still got the win against Lafayette. Um, but uh, between the, the guards that did log minutes, uh, and that's a few minutes from Jordan Rowland, but Hart and Matola, um, what sort of additions do you think these guys are to the guard play? Yeah, Matola looked pretty good out there. He had some nice drives. Uh, he had a couple really long twos that I thought were threes, but I guess they got called as twos. Um, he looked pretty good. I didn't see a whole lot from Hart. Um, I mean, I just didn't. He kind of seemed fine, just nothing special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was his first game, I guess. And I was kind of surprised he had that much time. I thought Matola would be the kind of the guy with more time because he you know, was a transfer and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't know, he, he seemed pretty nice. He seemed like a good uh, kind of role player. He can you know, make sure nothing bad happens, make some good things happen. I was pretty happy with with Matola. Uh, Hart, we'll see. I don't know. Now, so you know, you look at this. The, the first half score um, was, I, I think, it was fifty to twenty eight or something like that. Um, and then suddenly, this game was only a nine point game at the end. Um, what happened in that second half? Um, and, and what what really, especially when you're about to go up against the number six team in the country in UVA, which a lot of experts are saying um, should be a favorite for the national championship. Um, what happened in that second half, and, and what does GW need to learn from in this next 48 hours? Yeah, it seemed like a combination of a, a lack of focus on the, the good guy's side, and then Lafayette was really knocking down their shots. They hit kind of everything. They took advantage of a lot of the sort of lax defense, you know, easy drives, wide-open shots, things like that. Um, and, you know, they just seemed kind of kind of sluggish out there. It was weird. Like, they missed a lot of layups, GW did. Uh, they were just kind of funky on defense, missed a lot of open um, – like there's a lot of guys who shouldn't be covered. It was it was weird. Uh, hopefully, maybe they were just too excited by being up by so much they kind of let it slide a little bit. I hope that's all it was. I don't know. We'll see. Now, you know, one of the things that you you too often see with GW basketball is there's always that one guy who suddenly becomes a hero in the Smith Center. And last night, that guy, uh, although four Lafayette players were in double figures, and and don't get me wrong, Lafayette was an NCAA tournament team. They did graduate three starters who were thousand point scorers for the team, but there still definitely is talent on this team, and they should be considered. Um, in that top tier of the Patriot League. Um, but Nick Lindner, 8 of 18 from the floor, 10 of 13 from the free throw line, 27 points, four boards, three assists, and two steals. Um, Andrew, how did that happen? It was a Kevin Fry syndrome, right? He just kind of came alive. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was weird because he, I feel like I didn't really hear his name very much in the first half. And then the second half, every every other person was Lindner, Lindner, Lindner. Uh, he got to the line a lot, and he knocked down. I think I think knocked down almost all of his free throws. Like he had ten of them, I think, which was crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think he kind of took advantage of that. Hey, these guys aren't rotating very fast. Hey, these guys aren't aren't filling up the lane. They're living open lanes and things like that, and just kind of took advantage of it. Uh, hopefully, they can use that as a, you know, hey, let's watch the tape of this and say, don't do this stuff, guys. Now, you know, Lindner able to milk, let's, let's just call it milk the rules. Uh, you know, Lafayette went to the line, uh, took 33 free throws. GW took 40 free throws. Um, and, and so when you've got 77 attempts from the free throw line, that makes for an incredibly slow game. So talk me through the two components of this. First and foremost, um, what is it like for the fan experience? And, and how is the flow of the men's college basketball game changing based on the way that this uh, this is being uh, enforced. And then secondarily, um, how do you see this new um, sort of contact-averse NCAA uh, shaping up for GW and GW style of play? 
Yeah, it was rough. Uh, it seemed like there was less than 10 seconds of play all the time. 10 seconds and a foul, 10 seconds and a foul. It was like NBA pace out there. It was just slow and stop and start and stop and start and stop and start. It seemed hard to get like in a, in a flow. You know, you, something good would happen and then there was a weird foul. Well, why was there a foul? What happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And there was a fair amount of off-the-ball fouls, too, like little weird kind of picks and, and funny things like that. Um, I don't know. It's tough because, you know, GW is all about playing tough defense, um, and I wonder if that's going to help or probably will hurt, right? I mean, if, if they keep calling as close as they do and GW is not able to defend the way they want to defend, that's that's tough. But then again, like, how can you defend? It's, it's strange. I mean, you have to play some kind of weird, I don't know, funky zone or something. It seemed really odd. Um I don't know. I mean, it's it's odd. It's it's weird they're emphasizing. I know it's that's what they're doing, but it, it's kind of painful. It's not that much fun to watch a game where everyone shoots the free throws all the time. Now, how do you see? Um, what what was interesting to me looking at this is, uh, you know, Utah log picked up four fouls. Pato picked up three fouls. Uh, he he traditionally he does play that incredibly aggressive style of defense. His three fouls were only in 34 minutes, which was rather impressive to me. Um, but he does like to get up into a, a ball handler's grill and sort of maintain that vertical orientation uh, and, and essentially force the ball handler to make a mistake while trying to maintain um, that integrity that he doesn't necessarily draw the fouls. Um, what was peculiar to me is that um, the guys who weren't in foul trouble were Tyler Cavanaugh with one foul in 33 minutes and Kevin Larson with two fouls in 29 minutes. Do you feel like that was an extension of the fact that uh, GW was, they were playing um, a a more, uh, you know, were the officials allowing more contact in the paint? Or one of the things that we've always been a little bit concerned about is that this interior defense is sort of that soft underbelly of GW basketball. Um, What, what, how did you see that defensive presence, and and what what does that say about our our post defense? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like they didn't do a whole lot of post play stuff yet. There weren't a lot of post ups and you know trying to do moves and things like that. Right. But it did seem like they were more lenient. I mean, there were there was a fair amount of contact more than it seemed like the the guards were doing. You know, the guards were getting called and not the the guys down low. It was it was weird. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, we'll see what happens when uh, we play a team with some big post guys who who want to post up and you know, do up at unders and stuff like that. George Washington last year, if you listen to the the remarks of Mike Lonergan, um, if you look at the stats and, 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 you know, the, just the, the general, uh, the, the plot line that was last year's season, one of the biggest challenges with this team obviously was depth. Um, with the guys that you saw on the floor this year, with the, with the game that you saw against Lafayette, um, project out for me, what you sort of are anticipating from this season. Um, do you think some of those holes from last year are filled? Are there new holes, especially with the departure of Keith and Savage? Uh, or do you think this is going to be more of the same? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it seems like we have a lot of depth. Our GW has a lot of depth. Uh, I, I like Jorgensen all the time. I think Jorgensen is awesome. Uh, so I'm pretty happy he's he's kind of getting out there and getting pretty aggressive on offense. Matolo seems like a great addition. Like I said, he made some good shots and he also had some kind of surprising speed in there. Um, he seems kind of not fearless too. He's, you know, if he's open, he's going to shoot it. If he's going to drive, he's going to drive. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens with losing Savage. I mean, Savage was pretty awesome, but sometimes he also was kind of a, a non-factor in a couple games. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. I like I said, I'm always I don't want to get too excited, but I'm I'm pretty excited, I suppose. I think I think we can do pretty well. I think the Colonials can uh, can get up there and you know fight for the top quarter of the uh, of the of the A10. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, there's always the fear that somebody gets injured, and I feel like that always happens. But 
I feel like even if it does, knock on wood, uh, there'll be other people to sort of pick up the slack. Uh, we have, you know, good big, good big guys with Kavanaugh, a lot of guards, and it's, I don't, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased. I like it. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Uh, I think most fans and, and I think most of the coaching staff will evaluate the success of this class and, and, the, and the health of the program based on whether or not George Washington is able to get on the right side of the bubble and go to the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, in order to have this discussion uh, in the context of the A-10, it's probably worth noting that we're still waiting information uh, from the University of Rhode Island about E.C. Matthews, uh, who I think most people would say was the preseason A-10 player of the year, the most dominant player in the game. Uh, he apparently had what looked like a pretty traumatic knee injury. Uh, they're not saying necessarily what that injury is quite yet, um, but you have to assume that he will be out for at least some time. Um, and depending on the nature of the injury, it could be the whole season. Do you think this is an NCAA tournament team? And not only do you think they're capable of it, because I think a lot of people would say they are, do you think that they're going to put the pieces together and go to the dance? Yeah, I would be disappointed if GW didn't go, to be honest. Um, I hope it happens. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot of good things that can happen. But I feel like, I don't know, there's almost um, there's so many new pieces, kind of. We'll, we'll sort of see. Uh, I sure hope so, though. I, I hope there's, you know, 20-something wins. You are magnificently... Uh, prediction averse, and I respect that. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that you are not giving anyone any bulletin board material, and you don't have to worry about anybody calling you up and saying, "Hey, you said this was going to happen." So I, I, re <laughs> I respect that. So that's very it's, well it's done. It's not that; it's more for my sanity. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's a great question for you. Um, you've been a GW basketball fan uh, longer than I have. You have been in, in touch with this program. You've followed it closely. You've been the season ticket holder. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that because I haven't had you on the podcast yet. Um, you know, you've seen some great years. You've seen some less great years. Um, where does the program stand for you in, in, in the, you know, in that spectrum of your experience of GW basketball in terms of your level of enjoying the games, in terms of your pride in the program? Um, how do you feel about the state of GW basketball right now? I'm pretty happy. I like I like Mike Lonergan a lot. He seems like a good coach. Uh, you know, some people complain that he's too tough on the guys or something like that, but I think he seems like a good guy. He seems like he gets good players. Uh, I think Patrick Nero is fantastic. He seems like a great AD. He listens to people who have good ideas and suggestions from the fans and from you know things like that. And he just does a lot of awesome moves, things that probably should have happened years ago with with the old guys who didn't do a whole lot. I feel like um, I'm pretty happy. I mean, you know, it's a good it's a good team. It's a good program. You're getting good guys out there, good players. Uh, it's fun. You know, it's always tough because who knows what happens. And I feel like sometimes the good guys should do really well and they don't. But sometimes they surprise, like they went to the tournament, you know, a couple of years ago. And that was awesome. Kind of a surprise. And, uh, you know, those years with, with Mike Hall and Pops and Omar Williams and uh, Carl Elliott and all those guys were amazing. Those were so much fun. Uh, but it's also, you know, there's also kind of always the, uh, you know, the GW is the third banana, fourth banana, whatever in, in, in DC, which is tough. And, even when they do really well, those years when they were, you know, 26 and two or whatever, they still got the sixth seed, which is kind of rough. So I feel like there's always the kind of, whether it's true or not, people feel like we're not bidding or GW is not getting kind of, you know, the respect it might, should get. Uh, it was kind of nice to see a lot of the previews and things like that of the A10 talked about, hey, this program has, hasn't gotten enough notice. They really are doing pretty well recently, which is great. Uh, I think it's something like 20, 20 something wins, like three years in a row, something like that, which is great. Mm hmm. Uh, and I hope that, you know, Lonergan stays here. There's always the worry with any GW coach. There's always the worry that some big school is going to say, hey, you should come here and they'll leave. Yeah, gosh, you know, I'll tell you what. One of the things that's so crazy to me is um, I think this time two years ago or even last year, if we're being really realistic about this. 
there was, a, I think, a very significant concern that uh, Mark Turgeon had just had this incredible exodus from his program at Maryland, and there was an expectation that if Maryland could afford to get rid of him, that he would not lo- no longer be a coach uh, of the Terrapins basketball program. And I, I am not that kind of guy who wishes ill upon other programs, um, but I will say that there was a moment where I kind of said, I really would love Maryland to just be an 18-game winner and keep Turgeon around. Suddenly, they are in the, con- the conversation from national championship. Um, when you see that sort of thing happening, what, what does it feel like for you to see, whether it's in College Park or in Georgetown, um, to be seeing your program getting overshadowed by, by that, sort of, that sort of that palpable buzz, if you will? Yeah, I mean, in that case, it's 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 justified. I mean, if the team is that good, they're that good. But I feel like when the, when those teams have down years and GW does well, you don't hear about GW as much as you hear about those other schools. I mean, I guess they're they're bigger schools, or not necessarily bigger in some cases, but you know, bigger fan bases and stuff like that. Um, it would also just be you know because a lot of GW fans have been kind of uh, passive for a while, you know, and there's only a few kind of hardcore people. Um, there's a lot of GW alums in the area, but I feel like the alums don't go to the games as much. And I feel like even the students, like students are, go to the games, which is great. But I feel like when I was a kid or, you know, a youngster back in, you know, 98, 99 and a freshman and sophomore and stuff like that, the games are always packed, even with crummy teams and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like every single fraternity would have all their guys out there. They'd be going nuts the whole time. And I don't know. It just seems like maybe there's a lot more things to do in D.C. these days, but it seems like it's not as big of a, of a uh, draw for the students and, and for the local alums, which is too bad. And, uh, and I want the Colonial Army to know that when Andrew Wiseman was walking to the Smith Center, it snowed every game day. And the Smith <laughs> Center at that time was actually elevated uh, about 800 feet. And then when, <laughs> after the game, the Smith Center would actually fall back down. So Andrew did have to walk uphill both ways in the snow for every single basketball game. And everyone did it. That's every true. single one of them. There's also no beer in the Smith Center those days. Oh, my God. Nightmare but I mean, field. you know, the Colonial Army isn't the problem. Those guys are great. It's I feel like the other fans, the kind of more casual ones, are the tough one. You know, how do we get those people to come to the games? Well, and this is a great segue. There's a pretty big home game, uh, and arguably the biggest <laughs> home game, um, in arguably since UMass came to the Smith Center in the early '90s, uh, yeah. in the Marcus Camby years, in terms of uh, opponent ranking. In terms of buzz surrounding that program, I would say that, um, you know, where, where UMass was an A-10 rival and remains one right now, um, you know, UVA is not that far out of the beltway that uh, it still feels like a rather local game. Um, what sort of environment are you expecting for this game against the Wahoos? Yeah, I hope there's not a whole lot of UVA people there. I mean, there's going to be, but I hope that there's enough GW fans to, to you know, quiet them down a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm, there's going to be a whole lot of blazers and bow ties, I think, and guys named like <laughs> Trevor and, and Chet and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, one of my buddies who's a uh, has season tickets with me, he said, "Hey, do you have an extra ticket to the UVA game?" And I said, "Who's it for?" And he said, "A UVA fan." I said, "Then no, like absolutely not." I feel like the big games like that, we have to we must protect this house. You know, I don't know. It's it's uh, get as many GW fans in there as possible, get them real loud, and uh, hope for the best. Now, what are you going to be doing to contribute contribute to that in-game environment? Will there be an appearance from um, a, a certain guy by the name of Mr. Glue? Will we? What will we see uh, <laughs> from you for this game? That's that's a good point. I, I have a lot of uh, alter egos that, that could come out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a good question. Uh, maybe some funny signs. Yeah, it's a good, you're, you're making me think. That's a good idea. 
Yeah, there's a lot of options here. There's, yeah. there's a tremendous amount of options. Uh, and uh, you, because we're, we're playing Mr. Jefferson's University, you truly have the entire spectrum of American history to work with here. So <laughs> uh, the pressure is on, and uh, I am officially calling you out. If you won't be able to commit to whether or not we're going to the NCAA tournament, I will at least put you on the spot and say there should be expectations that you will, you will up the ante uh, as a season ticket holder uh, for GW this game. I like it, yeah. I'm definitely going to call uh, all their students, freshmen and sophomores and juniors, and ask them how their campus is, like a bunch of times. Good, good. I like I hate that. that. Yeah. <laughs> because they prefer to call it the grounds. Right, and then they're, they're, no one, no one could be a senior of learning. Everyone is a third or fourth year here. I like, UVA, I, I like that. I like. I can hear that. I like your UVA voice. I really. <laughs> what I really want to do is I really want to uh, actually delete this interview and just interview you as a fake UVA fan right now. <laughs> uh, I actually am interviewing a, a, a UVA uh, blogger in, in just a little while, and um, I, I will be sure to ask him about the campus and, and, and ask him about those those juniors and seniors. Yeah, uh, ask him what color his blazer blazer is he's wearing. I will. I will. Uh, that's... How the polo match was. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know uva is such an interesting school when one of the most expensive private schools in the country are criticizing the snootiness of the public <laughs> school student body it's it's bizarro world with That's uva yeah. it really is it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's wholly accurate i've been you know I, a lot of my family uh went there uh and and i've spent a lot of time in charlottesville and it's um it really is a bizarro world for for a public school it's it's a tremendously unique experience that's for sure <laughs> and I, i'd argue i mean we're snooty too at gw but it's a different kind of snooty correct that's kind of more like a genteel snooty and we're sort of the i don't know upper northwest or upper northeast kind of snooty yeah we do have a little we do have a little uh, staten island in us that's for sure <laughs> all right andrew wiseman is the blogger for colonial hoops you can find him at colonialhoops.blogspot.com follow him on twitter at GW Colonial Hoops and um, Andrew thank you very very much for joining us on the podcast I'd love to have you back on over the course of the season uh, once we have a larger sample size I'm hopeful that we can get you to actually uh, say something that you believe rather than something that you hope and <laughs> um, thanks very much man and uh, looking forward to uh, breaking down some uh, some GW UVA uh, hopefully victory uh, in the near future yeah, thanks for having me. And something else I was just thinking, last time I got interviewed for something was uh, before the Wichita State game, so you never know. Hey, that that is nice. I like the I like that level uh, of commitment. And here's what we need to do then. You need to just start uh, pitching yourself. In fact, I'll write the press release if you need me to <laughs> for all of the UVA bloggers and student media and everything, and we've got to get you on the media tour so we can just wax the, the, the Cavaliers in the Smith Center. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, man, take care of yourself, and I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. See ya. That was Andrew Wiseman, and uh, we are really looking forward to an opportunity to see how the season plays out. Uh, you know, GW being GW, of course, giving us uh, a lot of good things and some nerve-wracking things. Um, and I would argue that the, the, the room for error that you saw in this Lafayette game is 100% not present in this UVA game. We're looking forward to it. I'm going to cut this uh, inter this podcast off right here and now because I'm hopeful that you're going to be listening to two episodes this weekend uh, as we welcome on some representatives from Streaking the Lawn, UVA's SB Nation blog. Um, and um, I'm not sure if I'm really going to talk about blazers or bow ties um, maybe at the end so that they don't hang up. Anyway, thanks so much for following Hail to the Buff. This is Hail to the Buff, the podcast. You can find us on our SoundCloud Download the RSS feed and follow us on Twitter at Hail to the Buff.